षण्णो मित्रशं वरुण षण्णो भवत्मा इंद्र बृहस्पति षण्णो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्या वदिष्या सत्यम वदिष्या तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु मवतु वक्ता सहनावदो सहनो भुन सह वीयंकरवाहस्वीनावधीतमस्तुमेषावह छंदसमृषभ विश्व छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणारणो भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यांभूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय ओ अहम वृक्षरेवा कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्द्रविणगुंसवर्चस सुमेधाक्षिदेदाचनम शांतिशापूर्णमदूर्णमदूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेवशिष्यते ओ शातिशाति श्रुतिस्मृतिपुराणल नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंक शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे पुन पुनः गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांगमनसगोचरम अवांगमनसगोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रिए भीष्ट सिद्धये आश्रिए भीष्ट सिद्धये अर्थतोप्यनंदन अर्थतोप्यनंदन अतीतद्वैतभानद अतीतद्वैत गुरूनाराध्य वेदात 
गुरूनाराध्य वेदांत सारम वक्ष्ये यथामदे सारम वक्ष्ये यथामदे It has been explained the statement Aham Brahmasmi I am Brahman which is the response of the student disciple as a result of the teaching or the unfoldment of the statement Tattvamasi. So this Mahavakya, the statement unfolded by the teacher by the method which was called Dhyaroba and Apavada by superimposition and de-superimposition, the words tat and tvam in the statement were first explained and then the teacher explained the identity between tat and tvam by the so-called lakshanavrati. <coughs> and in response to that, the disciple sees and he proclaims or he sees his truth, aham brahmasmi, indeed I am brahman. And this knowledge that occurs is also in the mind. Therefore, it is also called vritti or a state of mind inasmuch as it reveals the truth. So every cognition reveals the nature of something and similarly also this is also a vritti which reveals the truth about myself. So what does it do? What it primarily does is it removes the ignorance pertaining to the self. That's the only role that it plays, is to remove the ignorance pertaining. Just as Tum Dashamasi, you are the tenth man, and then the person responds, Yes, I am the tenth man. He sees that fact. That seeing is not like seeing of a part or a cloth, seeing something objective. Not that one sees oneself as a tenth man or something. One sees that fact about oneself. And how that cloud is removed, how that the notion that one was entertaining, the tenth man was lost, how that goes away and one sees oneself as the tenth man, this is seeing oneself, and so also one sees oneself as the complete being. <coughs> so this jnana that takes place, its role is to remove the ignorance pertaining to the self. And then that also subsides. In the wake of the knowledge of the self, the whole samsara, samsara means the whole realm of duality. And the whole creation is revealed also to be mitya. And so along with that, even that vritti also, which reveals the truth, also the same degree of reality, and that also subsides. As a result, the awareness that was reflected in that vritti, that also as though merges into, into a self, like the reflection merging into the image, and that is living just one non-dual self. This is how the, the knowledge of the self as one non-dual is gained by the student and that process was described in those passages. And now in, the, in this section, in the last couple of passages, the author takes up for discussion the apparent contradictions that we find in the statements of the Upanishads. Then we find two kinds of statements in Upanishads. One kind of statement saying that the self is to be known in one's own mind and other kinds of statements which say that the self is beyond the mind in the words. So both these statements are there. Self is beyond speech, beyond the thought and still there are other set of statements which say that the self is to be known. <coughs> And it's to be known in one's own mind. Manasa eva anudrashtavyam. Says manasa eva anudrashtavyam. One statement says that the truth is to be anudrashtavyam, has to be seen, manasa, by the mind. But anu, anu means following, or paschat, in keeping with. Truth is to be seen or known in keeping with something, in keeping with the teaching. So anudrashtavyam. Drush means to see. Drashtavyam should be seen. Anudrashtavyam should be seen in accordance with something. In accordance with the teaching or the unfoldment by the teachers based on the scriptures. And so, Shastracharya Upadesha Anudrashtavyam. In keeping with the Upadesha or the teaching of the teacher, instruction of the teacher, 
of the scriptures, one has to see this. Manasai Vedamaptavyam Again, says Kathopanishad, Manasaeva idamaptavyam nehananastikinchanan. That here there is no duality whatever. That there is no duality whatever, this truth has to be seen, Manasaeva. By the mind alone, this truth has to be seen, that there is no duality whatever. And the, tru- and the Upanishad declares this boldly. Even though duality is very much what we experience moment to moment, and still the Upanishad says, there is no duality, whatever, and this truth is to be seen in one's own mind. Drishyate tvagriya buddhya sukshmaya sukshmadashivihi One statement of Kathopanishad says, Esha sarveshu bhuteshu godhotmana prakashade The self which is hidden in everyone does not shine, meaning self that is hidden in everyone is not is not known to people as it is. So people do not know because that is what we call the veil of ignorance or because the mind is extrovert. So mind always is out to see something in terms of truth. But drishyadetu agriya buddhya sukshmaya sukshmadashivihi However, the very same self which is not seen by people can very well be seen agriya buddhya but the buddhi of the mind, which is agram, meaning single-pointed, sukshmaya, which is subtle. But subtle meaning, it is tuned up to the self. So mind that is abiding, centered upon the self, and focused by that mind, one can see the truth. So it is by the mind alone that the truth is to be seen. Buddhya logana sadhyasmin vastunyasmita asmin vastuni astamita yadi so in the Gita also it is said, Buddhiyogopasitya, that may you take refuge of Buddhiyoga, meaning the yoga of the Buddha. Meaning see this in your Buddha. This is one set of statements. All of the statements tell us that the truth or the self is to be known in the mind. This is one set of statements. This whole other class of statements which say that, which says that the truth is beyond the mind. Yato vacho nivartante aprapya manasasaha says Taitriya Upanishad that Brahman is that yataha from which vachaha nivartante from which the words return manasasaha along with the mind. So Brahman is that from which the words along with the mind return without reaching it. Meaning, it is beyond the reach of words and mind. Yen manasan manude, yen ahur manomatam, Kenopanishad says, that which cannot indeed be apprehended by the mind, but that because of which the mind apprehends, but that which cannot be apprehended by the mind, that is the truth. Also Kenopanishad says, Anyadevata dhijitat atho aviditadadhi, Brahman, or the truth is, Anyadevata dhijitat is different from vidita or the known, atho aviditat adhi, and also it is different from the unknown, meaning that it cannot come in the realm of being known. Again, Kenopanishad says, avignyatam vijanatam vignyatam avijanatam. Says those people who proclaim that we know Brahman, it is unknown to them. It is known only for those who know it as not knowable. So those who know Brahman is not an object of knowledge, they alone know. But those who proclaim that they know Brahman, they certainly do not know. Meaning Brahman cannot become an object of knowledge like Ghatapata, etc. Anashano Prameyasya Bhagavad Gita says, Atma is Anashi. Anashi means imperishable. Aprameya. Aprameya means immeasurable. Or that which is not Prameya. Prameya means the object of knowledge. Atma is a prameya, which can never be objectified, which cannot become the object of knowledge. Yad vijñādam tvaya vipra yanna vijñādam ātmana tābhyam anat param vipra yad vedyam vidhitajjadam. Yad vijñādam tvaya vipra, elsewhere in another text it said to a student that, O learned one, yad vijñādam, that which is known by you, yanna vijñādam ātmana, and that which is not known by you, 
Tabhyam and Natparam. Natparam or the truth is different from both. Different from that which is known to you or different from that which is unknown to you. Yad Vedyam Vidhita Jadam. Whatever is Vedyam, whatever is known, may you know that to be Jadam or inert. Ityadi Shruti Smutinam Paraspa Virodham Ashankya. So these statements of the Upanishad Shruti as well as Gita and other Smriti Granthas seem to contradict one another. So we find two classes of statements, one saying that, that the self is to be known in the mind, other saying that self is beyond the mind. How to reconcile between them? The reconciliation now is presented in the next passage. <coughs> That's passage 174 on page 101. Evam chasate, evam chasate, manasaivanu manasaivanu manute, Ityanayoho Shrutyoho Avirodha Vrutivya Pyatva Angi Karena Halavya Pyatva Pratisheda Pratipadana Evam chasati, such being the case. Evam chasati, evam mukta prakarena agnyada chaitanyasya vrtivyapyatvangi karena halavyapyatva pradeshiddesati. As it was said earlier, the role now that yes, both the statements are right. Yes, Brahma is to be known, as well as Brahman is beyond the mind, that is how it is to be known. This apprehension has to come in our own mind. That Brahman is my very self. That's the reason why that it is not to be objectified by the mind. It, it is beyond objectification. At the same time, it does not need to be objectified. There are certain things which you cannot objectify and therefore you can never know. Whatever there is which does not come within our sense perception, range of perception. There may be the sound waves which are beyond our perception, you will never know them. Or the light waves and so many there is a whole subtle realm of existence which would perhaps be beyond our perception which we may not know. Even a thing like electron or proton you will never know because it can never be perceived. You can always infer as to what it is. And thus there are many things which can be said to be beyond the sense perception and therefore beyond the mind. However, Brahman when it is said it is beyond the mind it is not said in that sense. It is said that it is beyond the mind because it mind cannot objectify it. Not because it is subtle in size and therefore it cannot be perceived. But it is a very subject which even illumines the mind. Yen manasanamanude, yen ahur manomatam. That which cannot be apprehended by the mind, but that because of which the mind apprehends. That which cannot be revealed by the speech, but that because of which the speech reveals. So by say, while saying that, that is, the Brahman is that which cannot be revealed by the speech, Upanishad also says that because of which the speech reveals. And this is the manner in which it has to be known. It has to be known not as an object, it has to be known avishayataya. Avishayataya means not as a vishaya or the object, but then as that which is not the object, as that which is subject, that which is the very sakshi of the witness, the illuminator in this manner is to be known. And that it can be known also. How can it be known? Simply because it is my own self. And that to know self does not require any objectification. Just as I know myself without the need to objectify myself. We have never seen ourselves in that sense. You never seen how big you are, how small you are, good you are, bad you are. So all these notions that I have about myself are something that is superimposed. You can never objectify the self. And still, you know yourself very well. That I am. Ahamasmi, that I am. Sadabhami, that I shine. In this manner, I always know myself and that knowledge is, is effortless. There is no effort to be made. If someone says, are you there? I don't have to say, wait a minute, let me think I am there or not, you know. That doesn't require thinking. Let me see whether I am there or not. No. 
if someone, whether someone else is there or not, wait a minute, let me see if that person is there or not. Or let me think whether something happened or not. But whether I am doesn't require any kind of thinking because I is self-shining. That I am always shines in and through every form of knowledge. As we chant in Dakshinamati Stotram, Balyadishwabi Jagrada Dishutasa Sarvasu Avasthasu Abhi. That in all the different states of the body, such as the childhood, the youth, the middle age, old age, and all these states, Jagrada Dishu, and all these various states of awareness, namely waking, dream, and deep sleep, Sarvasu Avasthasu Abhi. And also in the constantly changing states of the mind, namely I am happy and happy, karta, bhokta, doer, enjoyer, in all these various changing states of the body and mind and intellect. Vyavrattasu, all these which displays, every state displaces every other state. One state of mind displaces a previous state of mind. When I am happy, that displaces another state. And that is displaced in turn by yet another state. Thus, each state of the mind and each state of the body which constantly displace one another. But in spite of all these being displaced, that which is not displaced, anuvartamanam aham iti antasfurantam, so that which shines or reveals itself as aham, I, anuvartamanam, indisplaceable, ever there in spite of the changing states, so that is a self. And therefore, that is ever there. We cannot get rid of it, meaning we can never negate it. You can never run away from it because it is your very self. Just as the ornament can never run away from the gold regardless of what that ornament does, it may go abroad, it can do anything. Even then, it can never create a distance between itself and the gold because gold is a very self. Never. In every situation, the self ever shines as I am, I am, I am. Except that we just don't make note of it because we are so preoccupied with the idam. As we say, two things simultaneously shine. One idam, other is aham. Idam means this and aham means I. So I also constantly simultaneously shines a self-effulgent one. And in the light of I, the idam, the objects of the world also shine. The thoughts of the mind also shine and through the thoughts the objects also shine. And therefore, these two things shine simultaneously. Idam and aham. This and I. Object and subject. Except that they shine in different places. Where the aham is, the idam is not. Where the I is, there the object is not. But not knowing that, we are lumping them together. And we have a lump called the ego, the ahankara, which is a union between aham and idam, a union between the self and non-self, simply because the self and non-self, both of them shine together. If the non-self did not shine, then this kind of a thing would not have been there. As in deep sleep, for example, well, of course, ignorance is there, but then there is no notion because that non-self does not shine. So, that is why, since both of them shine together, Therefore, there is this so-called union or superimposition and that is how there is this entity called the ego. And thus, our attention is generally on the rhythm and therefore the aham or the I goes unnoticed. The mind is too busy, too preoccupied in projecting, in seeing, experiencing, whatever, that it is just not available to be able to make note of the fact that in spite of this idam, there is this aham, which is ever there. <coughs> and so, it is not that the aham can ever be displaced, it is ever there. It is there and therefore every other thought and every other experience is. Except that, we require what we call the leisure of the mind. That the mind is no more concerned about the idam or no more concerned about the object. And therefore, there is no concern about becoming something, achieving something, knowing something, experiencing something. All that concern completely goes away. That is what we call the prepared mind or mind that is poised. Otherwise, even attempt to know also creates a slightest restlessness that is created. That is the mark of duality. 
And so the anxiety of the mind, even to see something, know, experience, become, achieve, there's always an anxiety, there's always a restlessness. It's a matter of degree. Some people are extremely restless that they can't even stand, sit. Other people can sit for a long time and still the mind may not be resolved or may not be relaxed because still there is a need in the mind to experience something, to see something, to achieve something. And as long as that is there, there is a denial of my own self. The very seeking is the denial of the sort. The very seeking or searching for the tenth man is the denial of the tenth man. And similarly also, the very seeking of my own self or seeking of the truth itself here is the denial of that. And therefore, that we do not know the truth is only because there is a denial constantly taking place in the mind. And that is what we call the projection of the mind, the projection of the duality. Duality between I and what I want to see or what I want to know or what I want to experience. And that's the reason why Upanishad says that by the mind it is beyond the scope of the mind. Beyond the scope of which mind? The mind that is poised or that is focused elsewhere. The mind that is focused towards an object of knowledge, towards some kind of an accomplishment, some kind of an experience, as long as the mind is focused elsewhere, that mind cannot know. But when that mind gets focused upon itself, and when will it be focused upon itself, this is what we call vairagya or dispassion. So dispassion that Vedantin is talking about, ultimately is of such a highest degree, that even that desire or any anxiety, any anxiety whatever, is completely resolved. Anxiety to experience some sensation, experience some pleasure, or whatever, or even know, becoming, achieving, all that, when all of it is completely resolved, then alone the mind is poised, it gets completely resolved, and in that mind the self shines, and the self it is, is revealed as what it is. <coughs> So when the mind stops projecting duality, then it becomes centered upon the self. When does it stop projecting duality? When it becomes free from every concern. That's the reason why they talk of renunciation of duties, etc. Because that's the concern. And also renunciation of all possessions, also because they also cause a concern. Renunciation of all attachments and relationships, because they also cause concern. It is not to become insensitive or indifferent or anything, but then all these things cause concern in the mind and there were a, a renunciation. But that is merely an external renunciation. But then the ultimate renunciation has been a freedom from concern about what will happen to me. Concern about who am I? What is my place? What is my situation? Whatever it is, whether, you know. So these concerns about one's own success and failure and performance and recognition or whatever it is, or even concerns about developing some kind of powers and you know, achievements, when the mind is free from every such concern. And that is why Vedanta always presents a vairagya or the dispassion. Dispassion, understand vairagya is freedom from concern. That also you can say. Freedom from concern. That's why Lord Krishna says, you become free from the concern. What will happen? What will be the result when I perform this action? But don't worry. Perform the action. So simple instruction that Lord Krishna gives, how He beautifully trains us to slowly become free from concerns. So first lesson that is given in Bhagavad Gita is, Karmanyavadi karaste maafaleshu karachana. May you perform your duty. But maafaleshu, don't be concerned about the result. Don't misunderstand that you are not concerned means you are careless about it. No. Perform the action and may you totally be focused upon the action. What will be the result, whether favorable or unfavorable, rewarding or not rewarding, don't worry about that. So how we are taught slowly to become free from those concerns? Then Lord Krishna will say that you will become free from that action also that you have to do something, the so-called duty, that which places the demand upon you, become free from that also. 
and then we'll, we'll say become free from even the very kartrutva, the sense of doership. Then I'm a doer, even from that also may become free. So this giving up, what we call renunciation, it, that's all there is to be done. And therefore, ultimate renunciation of kartrutvam, doership. Oh, the sense of ego, I am holding on to that for my own security. In fact, whatever we are holding on to, we are holding on to for our own security. And to the extent that we discover security within ourselves, to that extent alone we are able to give up things, otherwise you cannot give up. Even if I give up outwardly, it is not really given up as long as I have not discovered their inner security. All along it is a matter of developing, seeing, seeing, I mean developing their security. And Lord Krishna says you will not be able to develop that security unless you start slowly giving up your crutches. So karma phala or the reward coming from an action is the first crutch. Okay, start giving that up. Even before that, when you perform the action, may you perform the action based on the value of life. Because there's a crutch that we even give up the compromise the values for the sake of some material gains. Okay, give up that crutch first. This says, give the crutch for the karma phala, the rewards. Then give the crutch also that I have to do this. Without doing, I'm, you know, I'm incomplete. Give up that also. And that I am the doer, even that also you give up. So thus, tyaja dharmam adharmam cha ubhe satya nurte tyaja ubhe satya nurte tyaktva yena tyajasi tatyaja says, in, said in one thing, Mahabharata, that tyaja dharmam adharmam cha May you give dharma and adharma, virtue and vice. Ubhe satya nurte tyaja. Give satya and anurtam, the truth and the untruth. Ubhe satya nurte tyaktva. Having given up both the truth, untruth, virtue and vice. Yena tyajasi tatyaja. That by which you are giving up all this, may you give up that. So, even when I renounce, there is still this notion on my part or this conclusion on my part that I am a renunciate. I have given up. Give up that also. So give up that idea also that you are giver up, you know. And this is how. So mind, unless the mind becomes like this, it is not poised to know the self. Even the slightest notion superimposed upon oneself that I am a renunciate, that I am a meditator. That I am a seeker, even that also is superimposition. And that also has to drop. Then alone the mind is focused upon the self. That is called avimukhyam, is focused upon the self and not focused upon something else. So as long as the mind is focused on anything other than the self, so long that mind naturally does not know. But the very same mind when it becomes focused upon the self, then sees the truth of oneself. And that is what is meant here. <coughs> And this is how there is a reconciliation of these two kinds of statements from the Shruti, wherein one kind of statement says the self is to be seen in the mind, whereas the other kind of statement says the self is beyond the mind. It is beyond that mind which is focused outwardly, but it can be seen by that mind which is focused upon the self. <coughs> That is why the text says, evam chasati. This being the case, manasāyeva anudrashtavyam, that the truth is to be seen by the very mind, yan manasāna manude, that which cannot be seen by the mind, in anayoho śrutyoho, these two statements of the śruti, avirodaha, that there is no contradiction between the two, that they do not contradict because they do not refer to the same thing in the sense that the manas word is used, but one mind is that which is, is, is focused outwardly, by that mind one cannot see, and the other manasa, other mind is focused upon the self, and with that one can see, and therefore, even though apparently there seems to be a contradiction between these statements, we have to see that there is no contradiction. And this is being said in what we call the technical terms also. Vratti vyapyatvangi karena phala vyapyatva pratisheda pratipadhanat. 
So that is because pratipadana, on account of this pratipadana, on account of this saying, teaching, pratyavyapyatva angikarana, so that is what we call vrittivyapyatvam, but there is no thalavyapyatvam. This we have said earlier, and as we said, the process of a typical perception is explained in this manner, which we have a number of times also seen. For example, when an object such as a chair or a table is, is perceived, then what happens is, our mind, and where the mind is, the consciousness is always reflected in the mind. Because mind is a reflecting medium. And therefore, it, it is, it is transparent medium. And therefore, always reflect the consciousness that is the self. So mind with a reflected consciousness travels out through the aperture of the sense organ and contacts the sense object. Assumes the form of that object. And that is how the ignorance pertaining to that object such as a chair is removed when the mind assumes the form of the chair. And we have now a thought of the form of the chair. We have the chair thought. A thought which contained which is chair. So when this thought of vritti takes place, then we say that avaranam, or ignorance pertaining to the chair, or pertaining to that object, that veil of ignorance is removed. <coughs> this is the first step. This particular process is called vritti vyapyatvam. Vritti means the thought form. So when the thought form pervades that object, so vyapyatvam, so vyap means to pervade. So vritti vyapyatvam, when that object is pervaded by the thought, that is called vritti vyapyatvam, first step. But they say that even a second step is required. And what is the second step? Revealing the object. Thus, you can imagine the process taking place in two stages, removal of darkness and revealing of the object. As the illustration will be given, just as in a dark room, the objects are there and not perceived because of the blanket of darkness. And when the light is switched on, what happens is, the veil of darkness is removed from the objects, and then the light reveals the, the object as it is. And similarly also here we can see that the veil of darkness or ignorance around an object is removed when vritti vyapti or the thought pervasion takes place meaning the thought of the form of that object takes place, and phala vyapyatvam. What is phala? Phala means reflection. So in that thought, of the chair thought which has taken place, the awareness, the self gets reflected, that reflection of the self in the chair thought is called phalam. Phala means a reflection, in this case. And that reflected consciousness reveals the object chair. So that thought form removes the darkness, veil of dark, veil of ignorance around the chair, and the reflected consciousness reveals the object that is a chair. So therefore, the process of perception of the chair, when I say this is the chair, this perception is conceived as taking place in two stages in this manner. The first stage is the removal of ignorance, the veil of ignorance around that object, and that happens by, that happens when the mind pervades that object, contacts that object, and assumes the form of that object, then the vritti, the thought form takes place. So that process is called vritti vyapyatvam. And secondly, the consciousness reflected in the vritti or the thought reveals the object, then I say this is the chair. And that revealing is done by reflected consciousness. This is called phalavyapyatvam. So in case of the objects, the perception takes place in these two stages. However, in case of atma, who is a subject, you do not require these two steps. You require only one step. For example, yet another example. That to see an object such as a crystal in front of me, or a chair or whatever it is, I require, uh, I mean, two, two means. One is, I require the eyes, and secondly, I require the external light. So external light is required, as well as eyes are required to see an object, such as a chair, table, or all the external objects. 
Because this chair, table, etc. are not self-shining objects and therefore it is necessary to reveal them with the help of the external light and then the eyes can see them. However, how about a lamp? How do we see, what do we require for seeing a lamp? For seeing a lamp, all that we require are the eyes. We do not require light of another lamp to reveal that lamp because lamp is self-shining or self-revealing. So we recognize these two kinds of objects. One is a whole set of objects which is not self-shining like chairs and tables etc. which are not luminaries or shining. Whereas others are objects such as a lamp which self-shines shines by itself and therefore the eyes can see that. So all you require is eyes to see the lamp. Whereas you require eyes as well as external light to see an object such as a chair. And here also, the self is comparable to the lamp, self-shining. So all you require are the eyes. What eyes? The vritti Meaning, we require that state of the mind, or we require that mode of the mind, which reveals the self, which removes ignorance pertaining to the self. But then, we do not require the second step, namely phala because the self is, atma is self-shining. <coughs> So, vritti vyapyatvangi karana, that yes, vritti is required, the thought is required, apprehension is required to know the self, otherwise self is self-shining, still we don't know it. The man is the tenth man and still he does not know, and so also I am Brahman but I do not know, because even though the Atma is self-shining, it is still, my vision is obstructed because of the veil of ignorance. And therefore that ignorance is not in the self, ignorance is in the buddhi, and that has to be removed. But that's all. All we have to do is to remove the veil of ignorance, and the atma which is shining, self-shining, it reveals itself. Even today also it is revealing itself. Atma always reveals itself, except that today the perception is a distorted perception. Never even the self-revealing atma is known as ego or the individual, when the distortion is not there, then uh, we understand, see the Atma as it is. So, vritti vyapyatvangi karana, phala vyapyatva pratisheda pratipadana. <coughs> because of the pratipadanam, that there is vritti vyapti, but not phala vyapti. <coughs> and in support of this statement, the author quotes, some lines from the text Panchalashi, from the seventh chapter. And these verses are quoted in the next passage. Phalavyapyatva mevasya, Phalavyapyatva mevasya, Shastrakrudbhir nivaritam, Shastrakrudbhir nivaritam, Brahmanyajnana nashaya, Brahmanyajnana-nāśāya vṛtti-vyāptira-pekṣitā vṛtti-vyāptira-pekṣitā iti Taduktam, that is, thus it has been said, phalavyāpyatvam eva asya śāstra-kṛdbhir-nivāritam śāstra-kṛdbhi So those who are the śāstra-kṛd, so śāstra-kṛdbhi those who have who are the writers of the scriptures, or those who are the seers of the scriptures, those who, te- who are the teachers of the scriptures, Shastra Kadvahi, Nivaritam, they have refuted this idea, Phalavyapyatum, that Brahman has to be revealed by reflected consciousness, this is refuted by them. Brahmani Ajnana Nashaya Vritti Vyaptihi Apekshita it is said that Brahmani Ajnana Nashaya, for removal of ignorance of Brahma, Vritti Vyapti Apekshita. Vritti Vyapti meaning the taking place of appropriate knowledge is definitely Apekshita, is expected. But that the knowledge should take place in the two stages, that first the ignorance should be removed and then the self should be revealed by something. Now you do not require any other light to reveal the self. Mind does not illumine the self. Mind does not reveal the self. In that sense it is said that self is beyond the mind. At the same time, 
the mind removes a veil of ignorance, in that sense it is said that the mind is required, that it is known in the mind. Inasmuch as mind does not illumine the self, because Atma is self-illumined. Mind itself is illumined by the self and never, it is not that the mind or the thought form illumines the Atma. Therefore it is said Atma is beyond the mind. At the same time, that very mind removes the veil of ignorance. And in that sense it is said that, It removes a veil of ignorance that is called vritti vyapti that is required. <coughs> this is further clarified in the next passage. It is said here, Swayam prakasha manatvar Swayam prakasha manatvar Nabhasa upayujyade Nabhasa upayujyade Swayam Prakasha Manatvad. Why do you say that Phalavyapti is not required? Swayam Prakasha Manatvad. Because Atma is self-luminous. Brahman is, is self-revealing, self-shining. And there is Swayam Prakasha Manatvad. Swayam means self. Prakasha Manatva means the luminous shining. Swayam Prakasha Manatvad. Since the Atma is self-shining, Na avasaha upayujyade. Avasaha meaning that reflected consciousness is not required in order, the meaning you do not require the mind to reveal the self because the self is self-revealing. So what is the difference then? Why do you say that Atma is not to be revealed? What is the difference between knowledge of Atma and the knowledge of other objects? That distinction is stated in the subsequent passage. Idanim jadapadartha vishayaka chitta vrutte brahma karvatya peksha vailakshanim darshetum. Here, this is what we call that vishaya karvatthi like ghatakara pata ghatavrutti patavrutti and brahma karvatthi between these two vruttis, a thought which illumines ghatapata. And the thought by which Brahman is known, that there is a difference between those two forms of knowledge, that distinction is shown in the subsequent passage. Says so the next passage. Jadapadartha Akara Akarita Chittavrutte Visheshaha Asti Visheshaha asti. Indeed, there is a Vishesha. Vishesha means a distinction. There is in fact a difference or distinction of between what? Jadapadartha akara akarida chitta vrutte. As compared to the chitta vrutti or that thought taking place in the mind which, which objectifies jadapadartha. Jadapadartha means all the non-self or the objects of the world which we call inert. Because they are not self-shining or self-luminous, so with reference to the knowledge of the objects of the world which are not self-luminous, yes, there is a distinction between these, the knowledge of those objects and the knowledge of the self. Aham brahmasmiri ajnana brahma kara vrtihitavad Avargam ajnana matram nivartayati. This vritti of the thought, aham brahmasmi, all that it does is removes the ignorance pertaining to Brahma. Brahma tu svaprakashamanatvat svayameva prakashate. However, it does, this vritti does not reveal Brahman because Brahman being self-shining, it shines by itself. Nadu vritti pradivimrachita vasena chaitanyam prakashate tatra tasya asamarthya. Earlier it was said, you do not require a little candle to illumine the sun. In the blazing sunlight, how the candle itself gets overpowered by that sunlight. And similarly also, this little thought, the mind with that little reflected consciousness is like a, like a candle light. And you do not require that to illumine the sun. So it cannot illumine the sun, nor do you require to illumine the sun because sun is self-shining. And so also, the Atma is self-shining and therefore you do not require the mind to illumine that. So this is the difference. <coughs> <coughs> 
ಅಯಂ ಘಟ ಇದು ಘಟಾಕಾರ ಕಾರದ ಚಿತ್ತವೃತ್ತಿಸ್ತು ಚಿತ್ತವೃತ್ತಿ ಅಯಂ ಘಟ ದಿಸ್ ಘಟಾವಚ್ಛಿನ್ನ ಚೈತನ್ಯಾವರ್ಗಂ ಆವರ್ಗ ಜ್ಞಾನ ನಿವರ್ತಯಮಾನ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ದಟ್ ವೃತ್ತಿ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ರಿಮೂವ್ಸ್ ಇಗ್ನರೆನ್ಸ್ ವೇಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಇಗ್ನರೆನ್ಸ್ ವೇಲಿಂಗ್ ದಿ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಸುಪ್ರತಿಬಿಂಬ ಚಿದಾವಾಸೇನ ಜಡಂ ಘಡವಿ ಪ್ರಕಾಶ ಇದು ಅಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ದಟ್ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಆಲ್ಸೋ ವಿತ್ ದಿ ಕಾನ್ಶಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ರಿಫ್ಲೆಕ್ಟ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಇಟ್ ರಿವೀಲ್ಸ್ ದಿ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಸೊ ಇಗ್ನರೆನ್ಸ್ ದ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಇಸ್ ರಿಮೂವ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರಿವೀಲ್ ಬೈ ದ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಸೊ ದೇರ್ ದ ಮೈಂಡ್ ಪರ್ಫಾರ್ಮ್ಸ್ ಟೂ ರೋಲ್ಸ್ of removing the ignorance as well as revealing the part in case of a self mind performs one role that it just removes the ignorance does not have to reveal the self that's the difference and this is explained in the passage 178 tathahi ayam ghatah ite ಘಟಾಕಾರ ಆಕಾರಿದ ಚಿತ್ತವೃತ್ತಿ ಅಜ್ಞಾತಂಘಟ ವಿಷಯೀಕೃತ್ಯ ತದ್ಗತ ಅಜ್ಞಾನ ನಿರಸನ ಪುರಸ್ಸರ ಸ್ವಗತ ಚಿಲಾಭಾಸೇನ ಜಡಂ ಘಟಮಿ ಭಾಸೆಯಸ್ಟೇಟ್ ಫಾರ್ ಎಕ್ಸಾಂಪಲ್ ಅಯಂ ಘಟ ಇದು ಘಟಾಕಾರ ಕಾರದ ಚಿತ್ತವೃತ್ತಿ ದಿಸ್ ಚಿತ್ತವೃತ್ತಿ ಆಫ್ ದ ಶಾರ್ಟ್ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಶೇಪ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ಕಾಲ್ ಘಟವೃತ್ತಿ ಆರ್ ದಿ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಥಾಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ಬೈ ವಿಚ್ ವಿ ಅಂಡರ್ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ ವಿಚ್ ವಿ ನೋ ದಿಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಸೊ ದಿಸ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಥಾಟ್ ಅಜ್ಞಾತಂ ಘಟಂ ವಿಷಯೀಕೃತ್ಯ ಇಟ್ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಲ್ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟಿಫೈಸ್ ಅನ್ನೋನ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ದಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಸೋ ಫಾರ್ ಅನ್ನೋನ್ ಇಸ್ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟಿಫೈಡ್ ಬೈ ದಟ್ ವೃತ್ತಿ ಆರ್ ಬೈ ದಟ್ ಥಾಟ್ ತದ್ಗತ ಅಜ್ಞಾನ ನಿರಸನ ಪುರಸ್ಸರಂ ಅಂಡ್ ದಸ್ ಬಾಯ್ ರಿಮೂವಿಂಗ್ ದ ವೇಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಇಗ್ನರೆನ್ಸ್ ಪರ್ಟೈನಿಂಗ್ ಟು ದಟ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಸ್ವಗತ ಚಿತಾಭಾಸೇನ ಜಡಂ ಘಟಂ ವಿಭಾಸಿ ಅಂಡ್ ರಿವಿಲ್ಸ್ ದಟ್ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ವಿಚ್ ದಿ ಹೆಲ್ಪ್ ಆಫ್ ಆರ್ ಥ್ರೂ ದಿ ಏಜೆನ್ಸಿ ಆಫ್ the consciousness reflected in itself <clears throat> so mind in case of the object of the knowledge i mean in case of the knowledge of an object such as a part the mind first assumes the thought the the form of the part it removes away the ignorance and by the consciousness reflected in that part thought illumines the very part so this is this the knowledge of objects such as a part takes place or seen as taking place in these two stages <clears throat> that that is said again in support of this statement the author quotes another verse from panchadashi says subsequently taduktam buddhi tatsthachidabhasau buddhi tatsthachidabhasau dvavapi vyapnato ghatam dvavapi vyapnato ghatam tatra tatra agnyanam dhyanashyed ತತ್ರ ಧ್ಯಾನ ಪಂಚದಶಿ ಬುದ್ಧಿ ತತ್ಸಚಿದಾಭಾಸೌ ದೋ ಅಪಿ ವ್ಯಾಪ್ನುತ ಘಟಂ ದೋ ಅಪಿ ಬೋತ್ ಆಫ್ ದೀಸ್ ಘಟಂ ವ್ಯಾಪ್ನುತ ಬೋತ್ ಆಫ್ ದೀಸ್ ಪರ್ವೇಡ್ ದಿ ಫಾರ್ what are these two buddhi tatstha chidabhaso buddhi buddhischa tatra buddho pratibimbita chidabhasascha buddhi tatstha chidabhaso buddhi means the thought form chidabhasa the consciousness reflected in this thought do api ghatam vyapnatah both of these pervade or come in contact with the ghata with a part or any object such as part and of the two ತತ್ರ ಅಜ್ಞಾನ ಧ್ಯಾನಶೇತ್ ಬಾಯ್ ಧಿಯಾ ಧಿ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಬುದ್ಧಿ ಸೊ ಬಾಯ್ ದ ಥಾಟ್ ಫಾರ್ಮ್ ಅಜ್ಞಾನ ನಶೇತ್ ದ ಇಗ್ನರೆನ್ಸ್ ಇಸ್ ರಿಮೋಟ್ ಆಭಾಸೇನ ಘಟಸ್ಫುರೇತ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಬಾಯ್ ದಿ ಆಭಾಸ ಓವರ್ ದಿ ಕಾನ್ಶಿಯಸ್ನೆಸ್ ರಿಫ್ಲೆಕ್ಟೆಡ್ ಇನ್ ದಟ್ ಥಾಟ್ ಘಟಸ್ಫುರೇತ್ ದಿ ಪಾರ್ಟ್ ಇಸ್ ರ
So this is the process that we have been talking about. They are all technical words. Vritti Vyapti and Thalab Vyapti, something that also you should know, because again they would have reference again and again. Vritti Vyapti, the process by which the mind comes in contact with an object. Thalab Vyapti, by that because of which the mind reveals the object. So first mind comes in contact with the object, and secondly the mind reveals the object. The process is seen in these two stages. In order to distinguish that knowledge from the knowledge of self in there, the mind comes in contact with the self, but mind does not reveal the self. That is the difference. And therefore, we differentiate between the two expressions, knowledge and experience. You may say experience is that where these two stages are there, that the mind comes in contact with the object and reveals the object. And knowledge is that where the mind merely comes in contact with the self, doesn't have any process of revealing it. And that is how the distinction is made often between what we call the knowledge and experience, or between the knowledge of an object and the knowledge of the self. <coughs> and an illustration to explain this is given in the passage 180. Yatha Deepa Prabha Mandalam Andhakaragatam Ghatapatadikam Vishayikritya Tadgata Andhakara Nirasana Purasaram Svaprabhaya Tadapi Bhasayadi Iti Yasa, just as Deepa Prabhamandalam, like the light of a lamp. So, like the Prabhamandalam, you see, the light is seen as a patch. So, just as a patch of light from the lamp, Andhakaragatam. Ghatapadadikam Vishayikratya The light of the lamp, what does it do? It comes in contact with the Ghatapata, the various objects which are in the darkness. So when the room is in darkness, then the objects such as the cloth and the pot and the chair and the table which are already in the room are not perceived. And when the light is switched on, what does it do? That light supposedly reveals the object in two stages. First is Tadgata Andhakara Nirasana Purasaram That first of all, the veil of ignorance or the darkness, the veil of darkness which enveloped these objects which were in the room, that veil of darkness is removed. Svaprabhaya Tadavi Bhasayadidi And then the lamp by its own light illumines the object also. These are not two steps really. It's not that you can see them as two steps, but we, we can look upon them in two steps. It is not that going of ignorance and coming of, going of darkness and coming of light are two separate phenomena or that there is a gap between the two. Then now darkness is gone but light has not come. So there is no distance between the two. And still we say that the darkness is removed and the object is revealed. The light comes, what does the light do? It reveals the object, important. Because the object is not self-revealing, therefore we require another light to reveal that object. So to open your eyes, that is okay. At the same time, the darkness which envelops the object is removed by the light of the lamp, and then the very light also reveals the object. <coughs> and thus, similarly, that is how we see also that just as the lamp does this, so also our mind is like a lamp. Our mind is comparable to a lamp, with reference to revealing these various external objects. The mind with reflected consciousness is compared to a lamp. The mind which reflects, because where the mind is, the consciousness is going to be reflected. So mind with reflected consciousness is comparable to a lamp. Imagine the water in the bucket. How that water cannot illuminate anything. But when the sun gets reflected in that water, 
how that water gains the ability to illuminate. So water along with the reflection of the sun can illumine a dark area. So how did that water gain the ability to illumine? Because of the reflection of the sun. And mind also, along with the reflection of the consciousness, is comparable to the lamp, which illumines various objects by removing the ignorance pertaining to objects and then revealing the objects. This is a role that the mind plays with reference to the knowledge of the sense objects, the non-self. Where the same mind, what role does it play with reference to revealing the self? All it has to do is to just remove the darkness of ignorance. Self being self-effulgent, it shines and mind doesn't have to reveal that. Meaning, you don't have to make an effort to objectify the self. People always make an effort to see the self. In the mind, when they meditate also, there's always an object, effort to see, or to feel, or to experience, or to make something happen. And that very effort is a denial, you know. So what this discussion tells us is, there is no need to make any effort to objectify the self, feel the self, experience it, or do anything. In fact, that very attempt to feel or experience or objectify itself is a denial because we are trying to illumine the self. The self doesn't have to be illumined. The mind is not required to illumine the self. So an attempt to know it, feel it, is like illumining the sun with a candlelight. And therefore, there is no need to do that. In fact, that very activity of the mind to do that, as I said, is a denial. The very seeking becomes the denial of the sort. So mind is poised, it is awake, it is awake all right, but it is not sleeping. So mind can be, can be relieved of all the activity and still wide awake. It is that mind that we are seeking to know the self. When, or generally what happens is when mind is free from all activity, it goes to sleep. When you don't make an attempt to know or see or feel or experience or don't do anything with the mind, tamas very often prevails. But we are talking of the mind which is sattvic mind, meaning the mind is poised all right. No attempt to see or know, just attempt to be. And when the mind stops all the attempt, then the self is there, self-shining self is revealed in this mind. Understand the self is always revealed in the mind. It's not that the self is not revealed, it is always revealed. Except that the mind which is trying to do something just distorts that perception of the self. And here we are told that there is no need for the mind to illumine the self. And therefore, no need for the mind to objectify the self or do anything. Just be. <coughs> In this manner, the, the knowledge of the self is distinguished from no, the knowledge of objects such as ghatapata. And thus, this section told us, <coughs> this section here told us the meaning of the Vakya, Aham Brahmasmi, how the student knows, I am Brahma. In what manner, what is the process that was described? Now comes a very interesting section as to what is to be done for this knowledge to take place. So what is the sadhanam? Now discuss, the author discuss, this is, is uh, we will discuss it now in, in the next session. <coughs> This is a style that is adopted in Brahma Sutra also. That first is the presentation, the shravanam, the presentation of the material. Then mananam, removal of all the doubts. Then sadhanam, what is the means in order to gain the knowledge? And finally, the phalam or the result, what is the result of this knowledge? Jivan mukti or liberation. <coughs> so next section is going to talk about what we call the sadhanam, means. As the chapter 5 says, the steps to self-realization. <clears throat> and finally, the result of self-realization. So these two sections remain to be now, now studied. Okay. Om Puranamadav Puranamidam Puranat Puranamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 
शंकरं शंकराचार्यं केशवं वादरायणं सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वंदे भगवन्तौ पुनः पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेदि मूर्तिभेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शाषाषाषा हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओम